Our society's changed. The boundaries have been moved. You know, in the name of human rights, for example. Human rights. I work with people, you know, and there's things that, there's things that you see that people do. And they'll say, well, if that's what they want to do, it's okay. That's their human rights. But you know, it's not okay. It isn't okay. Because our society and our morality is built on the Ten Commandments of God, our Father in Heaven. And there's only one person on earth that can set boundaries for a human being, and that is the Creator who made the human being. Would you agree? What is the point of having human beings choosing what human rights are? They can choose what they like, if they like it. Do you see what I'm saying? They can choose what they like. And, and we have this promise of God who's created us and he's set in place a set of standards, of commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. People steal, people murder. Thou shalt not tell lies, bear false witness. People tell lies. It's all in there, but do you know it doesn't matter anymore, does it? Because the boundaries have been moved. The boundaries have been moved. Nobody knows where they are anymore. The boundaries of life, of our society, of the fabric, of our towns, our cities... Our countries, they're moved. They've been moved. And God's promise is that he'll never leave us or forsake us. In Deuteronomy, God said, listen, Joshua, listen, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you and I'll be with you always. And that promise is yours and that promise is mine. And I'm talking about neglected promises this morning. Do we really realise the promise that you've got spoken over your life. Do you understand the concept in this God who has spoke life over us and promised us eternal life? He sent his son Jesus to die for each one of us. There's not one person in this room who has accepted Jesus Christ in their life that could tell me the life is not better. Put your hand up. If anyone in this room has accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Saviour, if it hasn't improved, there won't be one hand. Do you know why I can say that? Because I have confidence in my God, the Saviour, who sent Jesus' Son. And you need to have confidence as well. It's a promise. We need confidence. Who is going to stand the boundaries? Who is going to put this country back right? Who is going to stand up? Now, human rights is good. There's good parts about it, but like everything else, it's like health and safety. Don't get me on that. It's like health and safety. You can't climb a ladder and clean a window anymore. You can't do anything. How did we ever survive? How did we ever survive? Do you, do you ever wonder that? I wonder that. I just wonder. How did we survive? I want, I want you to think, okay, listen, you're, you're out in the countryside and... Uh, Time issue list. And you're going for a walk, okay? And um, you've set off, you've left the car, and it said you've decided to go on a 10 kilometre walk, alright? And it's a hot day. So there's you and your friend, and off you go. So you walk five kilometres, you come to a small village. And it's hot, and you're, you're parched, you're thirsty. You want to drink, and there's a little corner shop there, so you thought, great, I'll go and get a drink. Look through the window, yeah, they sell Diet Coke or water, whatever you're after. But you've no money. So you check your wallet, you've left your wallet in the car. Oh, flipping heck. Left my wallet in my car. So you say to your friend, what about you? Well, I thought you were bringing some money. Didn't bring any money, did we? So they've got to walk five kilometres back now to the car, no drink. 
Because they didn't have the promise of some money to buy a drink, okay? They were without the promise of the finances to get a drink. So as he's getting back to the car, he gets his car keys out and a piece of paper falls on the floor. Picks it up, it's a five pound note screwed up. Written bottom of his pocket, oh goodness me. If only I'd have known I had that five pound, I could have bought a drink, couldn't I? If only I'd have known that that promise was in my pocket for that drink. And you know our problem as Christians sometimes? We've got the promise in our pocket, but we don't know it's there. Neglected promises. There's a promise over each one of us and we're not sure it's there. We're not sure of this promise that God has given us. And these are the, these are the things that I want us to, to consider this morning. Neglected promises. In Psalm 37 verse 47 it says, listen, take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the morning sun. Who's seen a sunrise? Now, I, I, I love sunrises. I'm always taking photographs. I've got that many, haven't I? Don't I? I'm always taking sunrises. But if you look at a sunrise, it is that bright. It is that bright. It is different than a sunset. You look at a sunset and it's not as bright. And it's red and it drops down. But you look at a sunrise and you can't. Because it's that bright. What does the promise of God say? If you will commit your way to the Lord, commit your way to Him. And he'll make your righteousness shine like the dawn. There'll be something about you that's different if you commit your way to God. Psalm 36, how priceless is your unfailing love, oh God. How priceless. You can't buy it. It's priceless. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. You can hide in God. You can hide in him. You can hide under the shadow of his wings. This God... Is amazing. This God, and this is one of his promises. God promised I will never leave you or forsake you. This is what God promised each one of us. Whom have I in heaven but you, says the psalmist in Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. How does he know that? Because God promised he would be and he's living in the promise. And the question this morning to ask yourselves is, am I living in the promise? Have I got this promise in my pocket and I don't even know it's there? Or am I living in the promise of God? God wants to encourage you this morning. He wants to say that he spoke over you. He spoke goodness over you. He spoke, he spoke life over you. He spoke health over you. He spoke over your families. He speaks over us. He sings over us, the Bible says. Imagine that, our Heavenly Father sings over each one of us. This is the God that we, that we worship. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who makes a difference in your life and mine. God makes a remarkable difference. Don't ask me how I know how. I don't know how. It's a mystery. But what I do know is that God has rescued me from a multitude of sins that I would have committed had I never found him. That's what I do know. I cannot think where I'd be today had I never found Jesus Christ. The problem about these promises is we... The problem for us to accept these promises quite often is our sinfulness. And God even promises with that. He promises to forgive us our sins. Did you know that? Everything you've ever done wrong, 
the promises that God will forgive you. Through faith in Christ, we have all sinned. And we have all, and we, all we have to do is believe through faith in Christ. Every single one of us has sinned. And all we need to do is believe in faith in Jesus Christ. When we trust Jesus as our Saviour and realise that He was punished in our place, everything will change. Everything. Everything in your life will change. It just changes. It's the promise of God over our lives. It is such an important promise that um, that because of our sin and we've been cut off from His presence. And yet sometimes, you know, you know. Okay, and the problem is when today, today I'm a sinner, right? I like smoking, I like drinking, and I swear, and I do all the things that really it talks in Galatians six about what are the acts of sinful nature. And it talks about adultery, it talks about debauchery, sexual immorality, it's all in there. It's all in there. Sexual immorality, it's in there. Remember what I said at the start? Sexual immorality is rife in our nation, in our country, in our world. Why? Because the boundaries have been moved. It's all in there. And this sinfulness, so I'm, so I'm a sinner. So, so in a moment, like in a blink of an eye, I accept Jesus. Okay? But I've still got the consequences of them sin in my life. So yes, I'm born again. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I've accepted Jesus. But guess what? I still smoke. And I still drink. And I still swear. And slowly but surely, God will work on that in me. And there's things today, even still, and I've been a Christian 27 years, that I still struggle with. Sinfulness, it's the sinful nature of man. It's in you and it's in me. And, the, and I'm not on my own because I know the human, because I am one. I know how a human thinks because I am one. You know how a human thinks. Don't think you're on your own in this. You're not. We're all the same. And we all sin. And we all fall short. And, and to get over that temptation, whatever it might be, God promises to forgive you and he f- promises to forgive me. So we have the promise of forgiveness. In Romans 8 it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you actually accept that he's the Son of God, one day, and you know this as well, we will all die. Every single one of us in this room one day will pass from this place. Every single one of us. And one day we'll be stood before our Heavenly Father. One day. One day we will be there. And you know what? He's not going to wag a finger at you. He's not going to say, what about when you did this? He's not going to accuse you. He's not going to hold anything against you. Why? Because Jesus Christ, his son, has wiped the slate clean. One drop of the blood of Jesus Christ can change a nation. One drop of the blood of this Jesus Christ that we worship could convert and transform this community. One drop. We need to get our focus and our promises correct on where we're going in life. We need to get back to that place where God wants us to be. I want to so encourage you this morning that you don't just belong to another religion. You don't just belong to another way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's what Jesus said. That's a promise. Jesus said, I am the way. He promised that he was the way. He said, I am the life. He promised he was the life. There's no other way. Despite what our society tries to make us think, they are lies from the enemy. 
We're told in the Bible, be careful, the God of this age blinds the eyes of those who cannot believe. There are people that I know that they just do not understand the concept of God and they don't believe in Jesus. And there's people that you know as well. And it's in there and it says that the God of this age, little G, is talking about Satan. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Jesus said he's the father of lies. Jesus said he's a liar from the beginning and he's never stopped lying. Why do we believe in these lies? Why? And some of us try and build our lives on these lies. Do you know it's rubbish? It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Do not fall into the trap of believing the lies. There is one way to heaven. And it is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one that died on the cross. Jesus is the one that shed blood. Jesus is the one that talked about love and grace. Jesus. Nothing else. Not a statue in a corner. Nothing. But Jesus. And if you get anything this morning, it's... Right, okay, yeah, I've got it now. Jesus is the way. That doesn't mean to say we have to have compassion for others. But what that does mean to say is do not be rocked of your faith and your promises. Do not neglect the promises that Jesus got nailed to a cross for. Please do not neglect them. Would you hear this this morning? That God has spoke promises over you and the yours. You have forgiveness. You have, he gives us a, a heart. There's a heart that he gives us, puts in us. And it's, the Bible talks about peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace. We can't understand it, so that's all we can say. It's a peace. That's what it is. And this Jesus does this for us. In 1 John says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And what will he do? He will purify us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness, not just a little bit. All unrighteousness. You are saved. You are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't get it, but all I can tell you is that it's real and it's true. That's all I can tell you. Because there's some mysteries and I'll never get my head round and I don't understand it. That's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in. And God promises to keep our faith strong. If you're like me, does your faith waver a little bit sometimes? I don't know, how, how, how do you feel? How are you feeling? Are you alright? No one falling asleep yet? If you're feeling a little bit tired, just stand up and have a shake. It's okay, you can do that. You can do whatever. Remember, there's freedom where the Spirit of the Lord is. If you want to stand up, feel free. There's freedom in the Spirit of the Lord. Faith. God promises to keep your faith strong. Now, I don't know about you, but my faith really takes a battering sometimes. And I wonder, what's the point? Is this really all real? I don't know if I'm on my own, but I do think that sometimes. Is this really all real? Am I crazy? Because I'm surrounded by that many people that don't believe. I, I start questioning myself. Am I crazy? Is this real? Do, do, do you ever get that? I get that. I start questioning myself. Am I... Uh, is this Jesus? God really? Maybe I'm crackers. You know, I don't know. And I do get that. But you know, these are the fiery darts of the evil one. Why? Because he's a liar and he wants to question the very core of what you believe in. He wants to question whether Jesus truly is the Son of God. He wants to put doubt in your mind whether the Holy Spirit gives his power. He wants to put doubt in your mind whether prayer will ever be answered. He wants to doubt you. He wants to say, he wants to get you to pray for somebody and nothing seems to happen. So you think, well, what's the point? That's what Satan wants to do. Whereas Jesus, he says, come on, listen, just keep praying. 
Persevere. Persevere. He promises, he asks us to persevere. God promises to keep our faith strong so we can experience the heart satisfying presence in our hearts. So we can experience who he is. He wants to keep our faith strong. And Philippians would read this, being confident of this. Listen to this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What about that for a promise? That no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus today, if you're walking with Jesus, no matter where you are, that God has promised to sustain you and to hold strong that faith if you will persevere and trust in him. In Ezekiel we read this, I will give you a new heart, he says, and I will put a new spirit in you. That's what he does. He gives you a new heart. I used to be smoking and drinking and swearing and all this and I became born again. And then further down the line, all of a sudden, I don't smoke anymore. And a few more years, I've stopped drinking and I don't even swear and I didn't even know it. And I've stopped getting angry all of a sudden. I used to be a right rat down here arguing all the time and really angry. But now, do you know what? Because the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. He will take care of your anger. Your anger. If you have anger issues, would can I just suggest just give it to Jesus? If you have issues in your life, like drink or or the unforgiveness, just give it to Jesus. You know, I was looking at this uh, tennis thing, and I was thinking about this tennis. Imagine playing tennis, right? So you're playing tennis, and you go to play tennis. And you're on your own. So, you, you, okay, you're serving, whack, you knock the ball over the net. It's a great serve. But there's nobody to knock the ball back. So what's the point of that? And you know, sometimes, in our prayer life, we do not understand. When we play tennis, we play tennis with Jesus, okay? So if you're playing tennis, right, unforgiveness, I struggle with unforgiveness. Whack, unforgiveness, Jesus smacks it back, yeah, you're forgiven. Smoking, I can't stop smoking. Whack, Lord, will you help me smoke? Smack, yeah, of course I will. He'll bang it back to you. So then you say, Lord, will you, help, will you forgive me? Knock it back again. Forgive me. I've told you once, yeah, you're forgiven. It's tennis. Some of us play tennis with our, with our sinfulness. Don't play tennis with it because when it's said and done, the promise of Jesus is you're forgiven. Don't matter what it is. And too many of us play tennis. We keep picking it up. Oh, he must not have heard me. Lord, he must not have forgiven me. Oh, flipping out. So I'll try again. Lord, will you forgive me? And then Jesus just gets us. Just dead easy. Yeah, you're forgiven. Yeah, you're forgiven. Why is it easy for Jesus to forgive us? Because he's died the cross and he's paid your penalty. Because every nail that were hammered in them hands, everything... Every little pain, the thorns, every thorn that pierced his head, that gave him excruciating pain. He went through that for you and me. And do you know why he can forgive you? Because he went through that. Because he said, well, I've just done that for them. Of course you're forgiven. Of course you're forgiven. There's no pain. I couldn't have suffered anything worse. I've suffered the ultimate you could ever suffer. You're forgiven. And that's the promise of God. That's the promise of God. It'd be very naive of me to say, though, that that in our faith and in our trials, that there'll never be any trials or difficulties in life. That's not what I'm saying. It would be very, very naive of me to say that you don't have problems. Of course you have problems. But do you know what? The promise of God is that he will meet you right there. God promises to orchestrate 
every trial that is in your life. God promises. In his Bible he says, I will be with you always. He's never left you. He'll he'll take care, be with you in your trials and my trials. And I have them and you have them. We know we do. And he'll bring, bring peace in your heart. Just like he promised. He'll bring peace in your heart. This is our God. Now sometimes God delivers us from trials. And this shows us more of who God really is. This is just the power of God. Sometimes like an answer to prayer. For example, last week my friend Dean... He phoned me up, I'm leaving work, he phoned me up and he said, Peter, he said, uh, I need you to pray for me. And I said, okay, Dean. And it's strange, really, because I was just thinking about him and I was just going to phone him. And the phone rang, he said, he said, my wife, Julie's just, just been rushed into hospital. He said, uh, I don't know what, she just can't speak anymore. I said, what do you mean you can't speak? I went straight round to his house. He said, well, you know them adverts you see on telly when somebody's had a stroke? I said, yeah, he said, it was just like that. He said, all of a sudden, she was just messing, her speech went all slurred. And I thought, you're messing about Julie, give over. And he said, I'm not. And I suddenly realised, then her arm went dead. Then she stopped speaking, she couldn't speak and she collapsed on the floor. And and, and I went into his house and I went and he's there, his two little children. He was in bits, he was cracking his eyes out, he was crying. I got hold of him, I hugged him, I said, Dean, what can I do for you? He said, "Just, just tell me she'll be all right. I said, Dean, she'll be all right. We sat down and I sat with little Joy, his little lad and Emily and we prayed. And I said, let's pray that mummy's going to be alright. Let's pray that Jesus is going to heal her. Stra- interesting thing was that Dean's mum just happened to be over to, for tea. Dean's mum went with uh, Julie into hospital in the ambulance, so that was good. Then uh, Julie's mum just happens to work in accident emergency in, uh, in uh, Blackburn. So it's deformed and she was waiting for him. Do you know what? I keep saying this, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It just is. How many people have been to an accident and emergency and sat down and waited for ages? Well, if your mum's there, you've got like a little bit of a... How good's that? So, got her to to hospital. You know, if you know Jesus Christ, it's not what you know, it's who you know. If you know the Son of God, you have total access into the Father's presence. Total access. Total access. You can walk right in. You can walk in and sit down and say, I... Dad, God, call him what you like. I've just come to see you. What do you want, Peter? Well, I'd really like a word for Lumbaptist, please, if that's all right. Okay. Tell him about the promises. Okay, great. What would you like? I'd really like you to heal my friend's wife, Julie. So then, miraculously, and it was a miracle. Miraculously, she could, she could write. She started writing. Couldn't speak, started writing. To try and say what were wrong. All the vital signs came right. They were all okay. There was nothing wrong. They couldn't find anything wrong. By half past six, so this was like quarter to five. By half past six, Dean would dress the kids. They'd had the tea. He was still in a pile of, you know, trouble. He was still all over the place. His head were just mashed. And he, and he set off to go and see her. But he just got a phone call. And guess who it were? It was Julie. She was talking to him. That is a miracle, my friends. That is the son of the living God that just does it. That is it. And what we need is we need them sort, and we need to remember them. Bible talks about them as being Ebenezer's milestones, stones of help. You need that for your faith. You need it. Might be, it could be anything, answers to prayer, speaking in tongues, anything. Things that God's done. Things that God's done. 
And so sometimes God meets us right there, right in that trial. But other times, he doesn't. Sometimes, uh, the answers, it takes a little longer. You know, our trials, sometimes we feel all alone, wondering if God even is there. Do you ever get that? Do you ever feel sometimes that God's not listening? Do you? Sometimes there's that sense that maybe God's not really heard me, you know? What I want to encourage you is at those times, please don't give up. At those times of your difficult, darkest moments, please don't give up on God because God hasn't moved. God hasn't moved. And that's the time to push right in because at that time, God meets us right in the centre of that trial. In 2 Corinthians it says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So he's saying we're going to have troubles. We're just going to have it, but don't let that, don't let that disturb you. Don't let that stop you from pushing forward because one day you'll be with him in paradise. One day, behold, I shall go and prepare a place for you, said our God, our Jesus. Behold, I will go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would not tell you. This is true. Have confidence in that promise wherever you are today. Have confidence that one day you'll walk into his presence. In 1 Peter says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. There's a refining process in each one of us. You know when they get gold out the ground, they find gold, they heat it up, don't they? They boil it, they get it to heat, and then all the muck and all the dross and all the filth comes to the surface and they skin, skim it off. Refined by fire. Do you know, the fire of God will refine you. You know the burning bush? Why did, why did the burning bush not set on fire? Because it's the fire of God. The fire of God will not destroy you, will not burn you. It will empower you. And you sometimes hear about church leaders, don't you? Not just church leaders, other leaders that I'm burnt out. They get burnt out. Well, what I want to tell you today is that if you're burnt out, it's not by the fire of God. It's some other fire. It's the fire of your own uh, abilities. It's the fire of, I can't do this. Because you're not relying on the fire of our Heavenly Father who would breathe the spirit of fire into you. The fire of God, you will not be burnt out. The fire of God will empower you. That is a great promise. I notice there's no clock. How good's that? <laughs> Just gonna have a quick drink. If you're feeling tired and I'm getting I'm getting boring, you're nodding off, you can stand up a minute. I've nearly finished. Is God speaking to you? Do you feel God speaking to you? I just open prayers because He speaks to me. And he's been speaking to me about this stuff. And there's nothing more than I want to share with you this morning. It's about you leave this place encouraged and built up. And not that it was just another Sunday service, but that it was a place where you met God. And if anything that I can say without that, I am so pleased. But I just hope and pray that it is God that is speaking uh, some words to your heart. So our perseverance... And our trust in him. 
and our increase in faith all comes from the promises of God. If we persevere, what's the point of persevering unless there's something at the end of it, okay? You go to work, don't you? Every single day of the week. Some of us, some don't. It's work looking after children, Deb, it's alright. I know it is. So, why do you go to work? And sometimes it's not easy, is it? You have to persevere, haven't you, to get up out of bed in the morning and think, oh, I really don't want to go. Is that true? Come on, is that true? Put your hand up if that's true, sometimes. Yeah, you see. I just want to see if you're listening. Of course it's true. Of course it's true. But why do you do it? Because the reward at the end of the week is a pay packet, okay? You get a reward, don't you? So you have to persevere persevere through it. Do you know it's no different in your faith? If you can persevere through life's struggles and, and difficulties which will come, if you can persevere, the reward at the end of them is amazing. Do you know what the promise is? You know it already. I've told you a few times. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. The reward for our perseverance in our faith through this Jesus Christ that we believe is just far greater than we could ever imagine. Far, far greater than... Just grab hold of that, will you, this morning? Who you are in Christ. You are a giant in Christ. Don't let the God of this age think you're any different. That's not to walk around and, and, and think you're better than everybody else. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying that who you are in Jesus, when you have the faith in Jesus Christ and the treasure that he puts within you, because it's treasure, the treasure of God within each one of us, it makes us something special. And, and we are special. And we're that special that we should be telling other people. And it's great that we're having an Alpha course. But I want you to really get behind this Alpha Course. Start to pray and ask people. Get behind it because the treasure that you've got, other people need. It's not for yours to keep. It's not for yours to never cash in the promises. And it's not for yours to keep in the bottom of your pocket in a piece of paper. It's for yours, for you to share. And it's for me to share this wonderful gospel message of Jesus Christ. You know, God promises everything else. So not only does he promise peace... Not only does he promise forgiveness, not only does he promise to strengthen us in our faith, he also promises everything else. What does that mean? How does he promise everything else? Well, it was interesting this because Luke wrote in the 24th chapter that Jesus said this, I am going to send you what my father has promised. This is what Luke wrote. But he also said, uh, Jesus said, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now that's what Luke wrote in the Gospel of Luke. Okay, we also, they also say that Luke wrote the book of Acts. So let's look straight into the book of Acts. And what is the first chapter that Luke writes in the book of Acts? He says this, the first chapter of Acts. On one occasion while he, Jesus, was eating with them... He said to them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So it's interesting that he wrote all about Jesus and the last words pretty much that Jesus said is, you need to go in the city and wait because you're going to be clothed with power on high. And then he, then he picks his pen up again and he wants to write about this new church in Acts. And what does he start off with? That Jesus was sat around and said, listen, 
Go and wait because you're going to be clothed with power on high. He wrote it twice in both books. You know why that is? Because it's serious. Because like I said earlier, I believe that had the disciples not... What if they hadn't gone and waited? Just imagine, oh, sack this, we're going home, I'm going fishing and that's it, I've had enough. Jesus is dead, finished. Romans want to kill us. Imagine. They'd have been justified doing that, being humans, wouldn't they? Don't you think? After what they just experienced, it's in the Saviour nailed to the cross. Now I know that he appeared to them and etc. But imagine if they'd have took that route, but they didn't. They waited. And some of us, we need to learn to wait. Because we might ask Jesus to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And nothing seems to happen, so you think, oh well he's not listening. No, there's a waiting sometimes for some of us. So we persevere and keep asking him to fill us with his spirit. He will do, but there's a waiting time. Sometimes we have to wait. It's not always bang like that. Not always. Sometimes, yeah, but not always. I can remember hearing and reading about the gift of tongues in the Bible, and I thought, wow, what's that? Tongues, what's that? So I said, I said, God, well, if tongues is right, if, if to speak in tongues is right, and that's, that's something, a gift from God, then I want it. Why would I not? Why would I not? So I started praying and asking for it. And nothing happened the first week, nothing happened the second week, nothing happened the third week, nothing happened the fourth week. One month by, nothing happened. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth week, nothing happened. Two months gone. Twelve weeks later, three months gone. Sixteen, seventeen weeks, four months gone. Six months later, the Spirit of God came upon me and I ended up speaking in tongues. Had I just prayed the six months prior, I thought, oh well, he's obviously not listening. Do you see what I'm trying to say to you? Sometimes there's a waiting. How hungry are you for this Spirit of God? How hungry are you for this Jesus? How hungry are you for these promises in your life? In Acts chapter 2, it says quite clearly that the power came. They were sat in a room. A violent wind came in that room and breathed upon each one of them. And they were transformed, all speaking in different languages, different tongues. Everyone heard them. Peter went out and preached a great sermon and 3,000 people were saved. Why? Because Jesus said, go and wait in the city for God to send the power upon you. No power, no point. No power, no point. If you don't have the power of God upon you, you might as well not bother. No power, no point. It's that. Because the church hinges on that point there in Acts. That's when it went, exploded. That's when it exploded. So wherever you are on the thinking of that, I want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you. It's never too late to ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. It's never too late to ask God to send the fire upon you. Never too late. Hear me, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not saved. Because as soon as you accept Jesus Christ as the Saviour, the Spirit of God comes in you. But in Ephesians we read that it says, go on, keep on being filled. It's an ongoing thing. Lord, will you fill me? 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 
Lord, will you play tennis with your God? Lord, will you fill me? Yeah, of course I will. Lord, will you fill me? Will you fill me with that power? Will you fill me with that spirit? Lord, will you do it? Lord, will you do it? Persevere. Invest that faith into the promises of God. Invest that faith into the promises of God. The question really is, in our lives, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us. Who can be against us? This God. The promises of Jesus are yes to everyone. Yes to every believer. The promises of Jesus, they are yes and amen. You can't, you can't present something like this and not expect some, some sort of really response to it. Because it's God speaking and saying, listen, do not neglect the promises of God. Do not neglect my promises. If you're not living according to who you are in Christ, then you need to do something about it. And you can do something about it today. If you're not living according to who you are in Jesus. If you're overwhelmed with unforgiveness, you can do something about it today. If you have anger issues, stress-related issues, circumstances, you can do something about it today. Do you want to know what God's will and plan is for your life? Do you really want to know that? Then you can ask him. You can do something about it today. Would you like the qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control? Would you like them qualities in your life? When you're taking care of your children or your grandchildren or the stress of life in families. You invite all the family around and you have to cook all the meal and it gets a little bit stressful but you can have, it's okay. It's okay. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. They're ours, you know. They're ours. And it's all done at the cross, you know. Jesus paid the price. 